we're starting this new series this morning called Dear Church. And it is, it's this gift, it's a letter to us. And um, Matt said in Refresh this week, I don't know if you read it, you know, if we don't send letters nowadays, do we? It's quite a novel thing. I don't, can't remember the last time. I send the odd card and things, but to receive a letter... It's a real special gift. I know uh, my son, Callum, received a letter from someone and it's that moment of he's away from home for the first time. When you receive a letter and it's like, wow, someone's thought about me. Someone's put the time in. They're remembering me. They're thinking of me. They're putting pen to paper for me. It's a special thing. And my prayer this morning as we open God's word and look at Revelation together is that we get that sense of, Lord, thank you that you're speaking to me, you're speaking to us today. But I wonder how you feel about the thought of starting this little mini-series. We're not doing the whole of Revelation, we're just doing to the end of chapter 3. But I wonder how you feel uh, when we say that we're starting studying Revelation. What does that conjure up in your mind? You're like, ooh, do I want to do this? What's it going to be like? Oh, do I understand it? Well, you're in good company. I I was reading about some other scholars and theologians, and this is what they say about reading Revelation. Here's Professor Stewart, whoever this chap is. He's obviously a good chap. He's a professor. One of the greatest biblical authorities was once asked by his scholars to explain to them this book of Revelation. He told them he wouldn't till he understood it. And he said, now if you wait till you understand every stone, rivulet, tree, bush and blade of grass in a picture, it will, be, it will be a long time before you admire it. And so it is with food. If you wait to analyse every kind of edible on the table, it will take you a long time before you enjoy it. Because we can't understand every thought, word and picture in the book of Revelation, is no reason why we should not give it our attention so that we can, um, to, to what we can understand in it. Sometimes I feel a bit like that. I feel like, oh, I don't want to dive into Revelation because I won't get it all. But there's such richness, such profound theology, intense poetic insight, dazzling literal accomplishment. Most modern readers sometimes find it baffling and impenetrable. There's nothing like it in the New Testament in other ways. Nothing prepares you for the kind of literature it is. We often think it's not worth trying to understand it, as it's not really associated, as it can be associated with the extreme or dangerous sects or cults. Yet this book has inspired martyrs. It's fed the imagination of visionaries. It's inspired artists and hymn writers. We've sung lots of Revelation this morning. It was glorious, wasn't it, to sing aloud some of those words. Holy, holy is the name of the Lord. It's sustained hope. It's given life to hopeless situations. Reading Revelation could feel demanding, but it's rewarding. It's like life of the uncompromising Christian who witnesses Christian witness to which it calls its readers. So I hope this morning that you're inspired to dig into Revelation. I hope that you're inspired to go, Lord, help me to see this afresh. Give me eyes to see what you want to say to me through this book. As we dig into it, as we receive this gift, this letter from the Lord. 
And so just a quick bit of background just to help us understand it and understand the context and understand what we're reading in this little series. So who wrote Revelation? Well, it's told it was by John. Um, He was exiled on the island of Patmos at the time. And so it's believed it could be the disciple of John who wrote the Gospels and the letters of John. But some people also think it could be a different John, a messianic prophet who travelled about and taught in the early church. Because there's different writing styles. I could go into more on that. But the important thing for me and for us, it doesn't change how we read Revelation. It speaks to us. It reveals Jesus. It speaks to you and to me, those facing hardships today or in the future. It encourages us to remain faithful. And Jesus is coming, that he has won the victory. And when was it written? Well, it was written in a sort of time period based on what was going on in the book. They thought to have written during the Roman Emperor Domitian, 81 to about 96 AD. And during this time, there's lots of things going on. There's persecution, not all the time, but there is persecution. And it's in this letter that anticipates some serious persecution to come. They're seeing escalating conflict. They're seeing changes in the world around them. And it's that reminder to stay faithful to the Lord. So we read these words of encouragement to us as we, challenge, as we face challenges today and tomorrow. That we look and we hold on to Jesus. We're reminded of his faithfulness to us. And then who's it for? Um, some of you like maps, but it's for the seven churches in the province of Asia. And these are going to be the seven mini letters that we look at. And it's also for us. So there's your little map there. That's of Turkey. And there's Patmos, the little island that John was writing from. So we've got the seven churches that follows this Roman road. It follows the routes from Ephesus to Smyrna to Pergamum to, I can never say this one, Thyatira. How do you say that one? Thyatira? Thyatira. That's the one I can't get. To Sardis, to Philadelphia and Laodicea. I love the fact that this letter physically gets read out loud as it gets passed on, hearing the words of Jesus to each of these little mini house churches, these little groups of people to encourage them and to challenge them and to say, remain true, remain faithful. And as we look at these seven little letters over the next few weeks, we're going to hear the same words. We're going to be encouraged and challenged as well, I pray and I hope. And then... Lastly, what type of writing is it? This is the one that sometimes, I think, when we come to the Bible, we just go, oh, it's the Bible, and we just read it. But actually, it's really helpful for us to understand what the books of the Bible is. Bible means biblios. It's a library. And you've got different books in your library as you read your Bible. Um, Probably like me, when you get bored of sermons, hello, this is a cue for any of you now, start flick to the back of your Bible and you'll find your weights and measures and your maps. Anyone get excited about them? Matt's gone already, I've lost him. <laughs> but I remember, you know, as a kid reading those and getting excited, oh, I like have a good map and a journey. But in the back of my Bible, as I was preparing for this, it says this, what is the Bible? And it's the section that talks about the different genres, the different types of writing in the Bible. And it tells me that I've got poetry, I've got books of law, books of history, 
books of prophecy and the Gospels and the letters. And depending on what type of writing it is, depends on how I read it. If it's a poem, I'm going to go, ooh, I'm going to really dwell in the language. If it's history, I'm going to go, ooh, that's really interesting. What was going on with them? If it's the Gospel, I'm going to be like, Jesus, who are you? But here we've got a different type of writing called apocalyptic writing. That's what revelation means. The apocalypse is the literal Greek word for it. And it's the type of writing found also in Daniel. It's also that most of revelation is there in Isaiah and Ezekiel, Zechariah, and also in Mark 13. This is interesting. Jesus speaks in an apocalyptic kind of way. And it means to unveil or reveal the future. So we're reading a book that's about declaring what's going to happen in the future. Unveiling, revealing. Apocalyptic writing is often full of strange symbols and creatures as well as angels. And the interpretation of apocalyptic writing gives rise to a variety of viewpoints. There we go, that's a nice little catch-all, isn't it? We have different viewpoints, and I'm sure those of you that have read Revelation and heard talks on it, we can have a whole wide range. This style of writing isn't easy sometimes. It's not an everyday language that we go, oh yeah, we get that, we get the dragons, and we get these pictures and imagery. But it encourages me to see Jesus in new ways. And that's exactly how it was for John. Have a look at verse 1 here. John was praying, and then it says this, the revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. I would love to have been John. Just imagine that moment. John is praying, and it's though the curtain was opened, And he saw Jesus. He had this revelation, this apocalypse moment, this revealed Jesus to him. He found himself coming face to face with Jesus. So cool, so awesome, so terrifying, so awe-inspiring as he meets face to face with Jesus. And we get to read these words. We get to hold this letter in our hand. We get to look at the book of Revelation and go... Jesus, would you unveil yourself to me as we read your word? Would you show me your awe and your wonder? Would you reveal yourself afresh to me? And so, one bit I also want to just pick up on is how we read Revelation. And I've read lots on this, and I've really enjoyed it. I've really had to be challenged and dig into it myself. And I pray that you will as well. The book of Revelation isn't just a secret code. If we line up all the numbers and we work out what's going on, we go A, B, C, and Jesus comes again in C. That's not right. It's not a code where we crack what's going on in the world. Um, I know some of us, you know, my Fiona grew up um, being taught about the Left Behind series, this idea if we just understand the code, you know, and she was terrified (laughs) as a young Christian, you know. And there's, there's things that aren't always healthy in how we interpret and read God's words. But this, we know, speaks into history. So we know that we need to read Revelation in the context of all that is going on. And I like what someone said, is that we need to read it in a pastoral, prophetic way. Pastoral, prophetic. In other words, how does it speak to us today? How did it speak to God's people in the past? 
What's it saying to God's people in the future in that pastoral way? And we need to read it in the light of all scripture. Revelation refers to so much of the Old Testament. It draws on so many other references and symbols. Just to read it out of context doesn't help. If you want to know more about kind of how to read the book of Revelation, I really encourage you to have a look at some of the podcasts and videos and articles that the Bible Project does. Really helpful, really good way to kind of enter in and go, yeah, how do I read Revelation? And so, hopefully that's a little bit of insight into the book of Revelation. We'll get more as we go through, I'm sure. But I want to just quickly talk about why we should read it. Well, it's a four-stage revelation that's going on here. I wonder if you can see this as well. It's the revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave to his servants and is now being sent via an angel to John. We've got this lovely progression of God revealing things to his son, Jesus using the messages of the angels to come to John. And then it comes to us. So we've got this amazing history and progression of God's word coming to us. And as I've said already, it's this extended letter. And we're going to be looking at these other seven letters that God has got for us to hear the word from Jesus. What is it he's saying to us in this season? What is he saying to you and to me and to Creech Baptist Church in 2023? And it comes in the form, it says here in verse 3, it comes in the form of a prophecy. It's a message from God to encourage us and to speak of what is to come. And it's also been done as a witness. We can trust God's word. It comes as a witness to us. I'm just going to move that spider. (laughs) It's distracting me. (laughs) And so why should we read these words? Why should we read Revelation? This is what I'd love you to hear this morning. Verse 3 says this, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And and blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart what is written, because the time is near. You are blessed when you've heard these words of prophecy. The letter of Revelation would have been read out loud and people would have heard it and responded to it. And so we're blessed Today, you are blessed because you've heard the word of the Lord. Isn't that cool? Isn't that amazing? As we listen, as we sit under God's word, we are blessed. And I pray that you are blessed as you read it, as you take it away and read it at home, read it in your life groups. We are blessed. And so we are blessed when we read it aloud. We can be encouraged, we're going to be challenged, we're going to be rebuked, we're going to be convicted, and we can hear all these amazing words, and we can walk out the door exactly the same, can't we? Because we can. But actually it says, what else does it say? We're blessed when we take them to heart. When my heart is changed, when my heart is softened, when my lifestyle is changed, when I'm transformed because I meet with the living Jesus. That's when the change happens. That's when God's word becomes alive. It becomes a lamp to my feet. We are blessed when we take these words of Jesus seriously. We are blessed when we hear the word of the Lord and we act on it. We do what it says. We live as it speaks into our lives. We are blessed when we do the things it says. And we're reminded that the time is near. And sometimes 
sadly I've heard talks on revelations just going, oh, the time is near, the time is near, (laughs) repent, you know, and we've sometimes heard those talks. And it's not wrong that we should, we should be ready to repent, to turn. Every day we turn and face again to Jesus. The time is always near. We are always living in the last days. Today we are living in the last days. The generation to come will be living in the last days. Those that lived before and in World War I and World War II, they thought the end was near as well and that the time has come. Every generation is living in the last days. But we're called to be ready. We're called to be alert, to keep watch, because we don't know when Jesus is coming again. But we do know he's coming. We do know he has the victory. We do know to be ready, to be prepared, because he is near. He is coming. So be blessed today as you read these words. Be blessed as you dig into Revelation. Be blessed and know that the Lord is near. And how are we blessed I just want to pull out a few things from these verses. There are incredible verses. Just reading verses 4 to 8 just makes your whole body sing and come alive. Hear these words. Grace and peace to you from the one who is and was and who is to come. From the seven spirits before the throne and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. That's who we worship. That's why we sang loud this morning. That's why we praise God. He is amazing. And he is the the one that brings grace and peace from God the Father. The one who was, the one who is, and the one who is to come. He is always always faithful. He has been there in the beginning as I stood in my garden like Reuben last night and just looked at the stars and I looked at the heavens and I said, wow, God, you are amazing. You are the God of the universe. You made that star. You flung it into space and yet you know me and you love me. You're the God who is always there. You are always faithful. The one who is, the one who was and the one who is to come. That's our God. That's our Father in heaven. And then grace and peace comes from the Spirit, the seven spirits before the throne. And the words number seven is used a lot to show this completeness, the fullness of the Trinity, the fullness of the Spirit, the perfection of the Holy Spirit, the one who is before the throne of God, carrying out his purposes. And then we see Jesus. And from Jesus, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. He is faithful. He's faithful to you and to me. He's bearing witness to all that God has done and all he's going to do. He's the first one to raise from the dead, promising me and you that death is defeated, that he is risen from the tomb and he's ascended into glory. And he's the ruler of the kings of this earth doesn't always feel like King Jesus is ruling on earth at the moment. But he is. He is the king. He is our ruler. He is our Lord. And he is sitting at the right hand of the Father and he's interceding. He's crying out for you and for me today. These are incredible words to describe the God who we trust. I love that word. The God who is, who was and who is to come. He's the God who was there in the beginning, is with us now and will always be. 
I wonder this morning if you need to know that God for yourself afresh this morning, that you would have that moment of repentance, of drawing near and going, Lord, I need you. I need you in my circumstances today. You've always been there, yesterday, today and forever. And I want to put my trust in you again today. He's the beginning and the end. And it also says he is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and last letters of the alphabet. He is the completeness of God himself. I've just got some prophetic words from our holiday club song that say this. You have no birthday. It's Matt's today. You can say happy birthday to him later. You have no birthday. You've always been. You alone have no beginning and no middle and no end. You're always with me. You're everywhere. You're the God of wow. Wow, wow. <laughs> and we sang it at Holy Club. But this is based on Revelation 1. You're the God of wow. You're amazing. I can't comprehend that you are the beginning and the end. And yet, God, you love me, you know me, and you sent Jesus for me. And here it is. Here's the verses that remind us of who Jesus is. And hold on to these words as we come to the table in a moment and remember Jesus. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins and his blood. That's everything that Jesus has done for you. He loves you and he loves you. And why does he love you? Because he loves you. Because he loves you. And maybe for some of us today, we just need to hear again. God loves you. The maker of heaven and earth, the Alpha and Omega, he loves you. And he's freed you from your sins by his blood. And has made us to be the kingdom and priests to serve God the Father. Not only are we freed, but we're free to serve. We're free to live for Jesus. We'll live to be priests, these saintly people that live for Jesus. For him, live for Jesus. And I love the fact that John just gets overwhelmed. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. We can hear these words stirring in us. And Lord, would you stir my heart. Stir my heart afresh today. To you be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. I've got excited and I've lost where I am in my notes. But I think it's good. We're okay. (laughs) Yeah, I've done that. I got excited. I'm going to close with these words as we come to the table. Here a kind of parallel passage that Matt told me to have a look at. It echoes the words of Revelation 1. Maybe just close your eyes and hear about our King Jesus, our Father in Heaven, the Alpha and Omega, the Spirit of God that is with us now. Hear these words afresh and say to the Lord, Lord, would you change my heart? Would you reveal, would you have that revelation again of who Jesus is? So hear these words from Colossians 1. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him All things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. 
And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on 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 earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This is our God. This is the one we worship. This is the one we love because he first loved us. This is the one that's always been. He's always been the Alpha and Omega. Be blessed today as you hear these words from Revelation. Receive that blessing that you are blessed when you hear the words of Revelation about Jesus. And I pray that your life would be transformed by him as you take these words to heart and act on him. Know that you are loved. Know that you are free from sin. Know that you are a child of the living God. And may you know grace and peace from the one who is and was and is to come, the Alpha and the Omega, the one who loves us and has freed us, and calls us to serve him as priests of the living God. Amen.